Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So as Pastor Larry said, today we are wrapping up this series called Alter Ego, A-L-T-A-R, and it's all about sacrifice and surrender. Um, It's giving up your ego, your pride, your rights. It's giving up all these things that we've been talking about, Um, my uh, my need to get even. Um, It's surrendering um, what other people's might think about me, and it's, it's all of those false labels and expectations that other people might put on you or you put on yourself, and just saying, God, I want to become the person you want me to be. And the only way that that happens is you got to give up that old life to be able to get the new one. Jesus put it this way. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Now, he didn't say that just once. He said that on number, numerous occasions. In fact, you find versions of that or those exact wordings at least seven other places, in, and it's in all four Gospels, that Jesus made it really, really clear. There is this old life that you are living, but if you want this new life, you got to give up that old one because you can't live two lives. You just can't do it. And so he says the key to finding this new life, the key to receiving this, what God says about you is you got to be willing to sacrifice your old way of doing things, your old life. And what happens is you discover that he really does have a brand new life for you. Now, that's a pretty daunting challenge. And, and I don't know about you, um, but that seems a little scary to me. I got to give up everything. Well, what happens to what I give up and, and, and what happens with, with what I get back? And, it, and it's, it's a little daunting. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. And I was a part of a youth group growing up and everything. And, and, and I remember when I was in high school, we'd have speakers and they would say things like this. Maybe you've heard this line. If, the, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, then he isn't Lord at all. Okay, some of you heard that line. It basically is saying it's an all or nothing thing. It's just in or out, you know. Um, and, and it was always it just felt so overwhelming to me because I don't know if I can do that. I don't know even what that looks like. And it was always this sense that it's either you are in or you're out. And, and you got to go from zero to 60 in two seconds flat. And the truth is, that's not the case. And this morning, we're going to actually look at a passage, a familiar passage. It's actually the passage that we looked at at the beginning of this series, but a little bit of a different take on it. We're going to revisit that passage. It's the calling of Peter and, and James and John. And, and it, this comes from the core of this comes from a talk that I heard a while back by Andy Stanley. And what he did was he kind of broke down this idea of wholehearted and this whole, this whole idea of, of sacrificing everything. He says, you know, we think of it as an overnight deal, but it's not. It really is a process. And, and I hope that as I share this this morning, this is going to help you because it clarified a lot of things for me. It made it a lot more understandable and a lot more able to identify each step in the process. So I hope this morning you're going to be able to identify where you are at in this process of surrender and understand what the next step might be for you. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Luke tells it this way. One day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. 
Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Then Simon Peter, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and the, all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, if you start with that last line, they pulled up their boats, left everything, and followed him, that's pretty scary stuff. That's the almost, I don't know how to do that. I'm not sure what that looks like. I don't know if I can do that. And if you start there, it's pretty daunting. But you understand, for Peter, James, and John, that wasn't where it started. It actually started at the beginning of the story. And there were some very specific steps that they went through through this process of getting to the point where they were willing to surrender everything and follow Jesus. And, and so we're going to look at each of those steps. And maybe you can identify, like I said, what stage you might be at and where the next step might be for you. Because here's the simple thing is following Jesus starts with listening and learning. That's the starting point. According to Luke, all of this started happening when Jesus was teaching. He says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him, listening to the word of God. So kind of picture the scene. They're standing on this lake shore, and crowds of people have been following Jesus, and he starts talking. And alongside where he's talking on the lake shore there, people kind of up the embankment. There are these guys, they're fishermen. Peter, James, John, some of their partners, and they're cleaning their nets. And, and, and all they want to do, because it's been a miserable night, they haven't caught anything, they're tired, they're worn out, they're defeated, they're frustrated, they just want to clean up the gear, throw it in the boat, and go home and go to bed. <laughs> That's all they're thinking about, except as they're cleaning their nets, there's this preacher right next to them, and he's talking about things that they just can't help but overhearing, because he's talking about things like nobody's ever talked about when it comes to God. Because he's talking about God as if he were a heavenly father. Not some far off, uh, you know, uh, completely, I can't get near him kind of a thing. But as a father. And he starts talking about strange things like loving your enemies and, and turning the other cheek. And, and he throws in some stories, some really interesting stories about a lost sheep and lost coin and, and a lost son. And, and he's telling all these stories and they just can't help but be intrigued. And after a while, they kind of start leaving the nets there and they start listening more intently. Now, all they're doing at this point is just listening. See, but that's always the first step. And, and it's not a hard step. In fact, you're doing it right now. Those of you who aren't sleeping, um, <laughs> you're, you're doing it right now. You're here. You're just listening. That's where faith starts. That's where following Jesus always starts. It's with listening and learning. And you might be here this morning, and this is your first time in church, or your first time in church in a very, very long time, and you've been gone for a long time, and you're not sure what you believe about God. You're not sure what you believe about faith or about Jesus or the Bible or any of this stuff. You're just here to listen and learn. And what I want to tell you this morning is that's okay, because that's a very important first step. That's how it started with Peter. 
See, our faith is a reasoned faith. When we talk about faith, it's not a blind leap up to, off into abyss that we have, don't know what it's all about. What we know is it's a reasoned faith, that there are reasons for belief. And, and before Peter takes any steps at all, he needs to know. Because, see, he's got questions. He's like you. He's like me. He's got questions. He's got questions about God. He's got questions about faith. He's got questions about following. And the only way to get those questions answered is to start listening. And so that's where it starts. Scripture says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's one of the reasons why we are so intent here at Northgate on, on teaching from God's word, but doing it in a way that hopefully is understandable and, and clear and, and, and relevant and identifiable to everyday life, because that's what Jesus did. See, he took all of these big God ideas and, and things, and he just brought them down to everyday life. When he told stories, he told about story, stories about things that people could relate to. And that's why we've put such an emphasis on that around here. Because we want to tell people, it doesn't matter if you believe or not. If you would just come and listen, we hope you will learn. Because we'll try our best to make it understandable to you. And that's a very important step. It's why at the beginning of this year, we decided to do this series called The Story. And we're going all the way through the Bible. We're on a break now through the summer. Um, but, but we encouraged everybody to get a copy of the book. In fact, we provided free copies of the book. Because we want everybody to read along. Start reading it for yourself. Start learning and listening on your own. Now, many of you here, you're already taking that step. You do that on a regular basis. And what you begin to discover is that over a period of time, listening is not enough. Because eventually, following Jesus moves to the next stage. Begins to inconvenience you. Because that's what happens. The more you listen, the more you learn the more you realize, oh, there's a response I've got to make. There's something I need to do. If this stuff is really true, then there's some way I'm going to have to respond to it. And eventually, as you listen and you learn, following Jesus is going to inconvenience you. Not a lot. Not right away, at least. But it will start to inconvenience you. That's what happens with Peter. After a bit, Listening's not enough. Jesus saw at the water's edge these two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats who belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little bit from shore. So as Jesus has been teaching, the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger, and they're kind of pressing further and further forward, and there's no room in the back row anymore, so they're filling up in the front, and Jesus has to keep backing up, backing up, and pretty soon he runs out of shoreline. And the only thing he can do is ask Peter, he says, hey, can I borrow your boat? So he gets in the boat, backs off a little bit, and he can finish his teaching. Now, you got to think a little bit for Peter. That's a bit of an inconvenience. Because, you know, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. I just want to clean up my gear, and I want to get out of here. And it's not a big deal, but it's a little inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. It's like, you know, it's, it's bad enough that I'm trying to clean my nets with all these people stepping all over them, you know. I just, if you had called me ahead of time and let me know, I could have set aside some time for it. But I, I'm kind of busy right now. You know, I'm just kind of tired right now. I, don't, I got other things I want to do. But here's the thing. Eventually, as you listen and as you learn, Jesus is going to want to borrow your boat. He's going to want to borrow your boat. And it might not be a big thing. But it is going to be inconvenient. It's going to push you outside of your comfort zone. And you're going to have to respond to it. Because that's what Jesus does. See, he nudges. 
He nudges at areas of your life. He starts talking to you about getting involved and doing things. And it might not be a huge thing. It might be a small thing. It might be something as small as as simply just saying, you know what, I can volunteer an hour once a month on a weekend to help in our children's ministry and our dig ministry. I could do that. Or I could, I could volunteer, you know, uh, once a month to, to, to be a greeter. I could do something. It's not a big deal, it's not, but it's a little inconvenient. It's a little out of my comfort zone. But that's the thing is, he just starts nudging at all these different areas of your life. And he's saying, okay, listening's not enough. For some of you, you've been listening for a very, very long time. And God's been talking to you. Jesus has been kind of poking at certain areas of your life. And you've been saying, you know, it's, it's not really convenient right now. I got other things I want to do. I'm tired right now. I need a bride. And you got all the excuses and all the reasons why not. But he doesn't stop nudging. He's saying, I want to borrow your boat. I want you to start doing something with what you're hearing. It might be a short-term mission trip. It might be, whatever it is, it might be something that it's going to be a little out of your comfort zone. Here's a nudge. Here's one that we practice. In fact, next weekend we're doing this. Baptism. Baptism is one of those God nudges. You know why? Because it's a public declaration of your decision to say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. And it's one of the first steps. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why did he include the baptism part? It's one of those nudges. It's out of your comfort zone. Now, if you think about it, it's not that hard. It really is not that hard. You know, we we do a little class. We tell you what it's all about. We help you understand it. We ask you to just kind of write out your story. And all you got to do is stand up in front and read your story. And by the way, if you're you're nervous about speaking in public, you can have somebody else read your story for you. Okay? It's not that big of a deal. And then all you got to do is let somebody dunk you in the water and pull you back up. And we haven't lost one yet. Okay? So it's a safe nudge. Okay? But here's the thing. There are so many people who hold back on that. Now, is it going to get you into heaven or decide whether or not you get into heaven? No. Because it's all about our grace of God and, and our faith and our trust in Him. But it's a very important nudge because what it's saying is that I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. And I've determined that I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And I'm going to make that public declaration so that it's for me as much as it is for the people around me. And if you haven't been baptized, the reason we push that, the reason we emphasize it, the reason we celebrate it so often around here is it's a very important nudge. Now, there might be another area of your life that God's been speaking to, and he's kind of saying, hey, I want to borrow your boat. In this area of your life, this area of your life, whatever it might be, here's a step you need to take. And that's what you're going to find. It's going to be a little inconvenient. It's going to be outside your comfort zone. It might be getting involved in a community group. It might be hosting a community group. There's all kinds of different ways to do it. But there are certain times that God's going to ask you a little bit at a time to borrow your boat. And then here's what you're going to begin to realize. That following Jesus He's going to start requiring you to do things his way. Because all of those little nudges, he's after something much bigger. It's a little at a time. But what he really wants to get to is to have you start following him and start doing things his way. And you begin to realize he doesn't want to just borrow your boat. He wants to own it. (laughs) And that gets a little scary. What he really wants to do is change your way of doing things. John Ortberg put it this way. He said, Jesus does not come to rearrange the outside of our life the way we want. He comes to rearrange the inside of our lives the way God wants. See, now Jesus is in Peter's boat. And now he's finished his sermon. And he's quit his talk. 
And now he says to Peter, oh, one more thing. When he had finished speaking, he said to Peter, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Now, what is he doing? He's saying to Peter, I want you to go ahead and do the things you usually do. But I want you to start doing them my way. And that's what Jesus does with our lives. And again, you know, for Peter, this is kind of a bit of an insult. Because I'm the fisherman here. I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me how to do my job. But Jesus is, what wants him to understand is your job needs to be in my hands. And, and, and Peter's a little resistant at it. But he says, he says this. He says, Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, sometimes Jesus is going to nudge areas of your life, and you're not going to want to give them up because they're going to seem a little foolish to you. They're going to seem a little hard to you. They're going to seem a little like, I don't know if I want to do that. And, and wait, this is my life. This is my career. This is my job. Don't tell me how to run my life. Don't tell me how to do, your, do my job. But Jesus is going to say, no, I want you to go ahead and do your job, but I want you to start doing it my way. And Peter resists at it at first. But eventually, he gives in. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Wouldn't do this for anybody else. But there's something about the way that you speak and the authority that you have. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. So here's the thing. What would it look like for you on an ordinary day to start doing things Jesus' way? Because that's what he's really calling for. What would it look like for you? I mean, think about the activities of your day. What would it look like for you to do your regular, ordinary life, but do it Jesus' way? What would it look like for you, for instance, on your job, to do your work and to do your job Jesus' way? What would it look like? What would it, watching TV. What would it look like to watch TV Jesus' way? What would it look like to go shopping in Jesus' way. Would you buy less? Would you not have to have designer labels? Would it really not be all that important? What would it look like to post on Facebook Jesus' way? I, I've often thought, someday I'm going to do a sermon. If everybody only know, knew you by the, what you posted on Facebook, what would they know about you? But what would it look like to do something Jesus' way. See, because that's what he does. He starts coming and he starts talking to us about our relationships, about our marriages, about our finances, about our, about our possessions, about, about our time, about all these other things. What would it look like to go through an ordinary day but to do it Jesus' way? Driving. What would it look like for you to drive Jesus' way? A little bit different? Then the way you drive now, like you're stuck in traffic. You know, you ever done this? Stuck in traffic, you know, kind of bumper to bumper, and the person in the lane next to you, who's only like maybe six inches ahead of you, but he turns on his blinker, and you know the space that he wants is not the one behind you. It's the one in front of you, and you, you avoid making eye contact. You just kind of look that way, and you nudge up a little closer to the bumper. Yeah, anybody ever? Am I the only one that does that? Okay. See? What would it look like to drive Jesus' way? What would it look like in your relationships, how you relate to other people, Jesus' way? This beginning of the weekend, uh, 
my wife and I went out to, to uh, dinner with some friends. And we had a great time. We went out to a really nice dinner. And we were talking about relationships and all these kinds of things. And kind of couple stuff and bad habits and things you do. And, and something came up in the conversation about this whole idea that um, evidently I have this bad habit. Um, that I, I have this need to correct my wife when she's telling a story. And for some reason, she finds that bothersome. I, I don't get it. Um, yeah, okay. I'm not the only one with that problem. Um, you know, and it just kind of came up, you know, we were just talking about and, and, and how, you know, and it doesn't have anything to do with the story, you know, but for some reason, as she's telling a story, you know, no, no, it wasn't Saturday night. It was Friday night. You know, like that really matters in the whole thing. But you see, here's the deal. I'm a preacher, and I'm a preacher of God's word, and I'm consumed with truth, okay? So truth is very, very important. And, and I brought that point up, which did not meet well with uh, a good reception. But because because uh, why do I do that? It's my ego. It's having to do things my way and get things taught and, so, and said and spoken my way. See, it's, it's that ego thing. What would it look like to tell a story in truth like Jesus? <laughs> But you see, that's the thing. So you start thinking about every aspect of your life. Not like just in a minutiae kind of silly way, but just start thinking about what would it look like to live my ordinary life, to do my ordinary job, to take those tests in school, whatever it might be, but to do it Jesus' way. Because that's what he's trying to do in your life. In fact, I think that line of, of Peter's, it's, it's, I've done this before, it's a very important, this would be a life verse if we could just remember this one thing. Because you say so, I will. God, I don't like what you're telling me to do. It's uncomfortable to me. It's outside of my comfort zone. But because you say so, I will. And here's what you discover. Eventually, what you begin to discover is that following Jesus is about, is about total surrender. Because that's what he's really going for. Peter does it Jesus' way, and he comes up with the catch of a lifetime. And his response to Jesus is, when he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man because he realizes this is no ordinary rabbi and he's not just giving advice on how to do my job better. He really knows more about my life and my career and my relationships and all that other stuff better than I do. And when he asks me to give something up, and that's what we've been saying this whole series, when he asks you to surrender, when he asks you to sacrifice, when he asks you to give something up, what you get in return is always, always better. Always, without fail. So Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. See, here's the thing about following Jesus. It is both hard and easy at the same time. It's hard because giving up my rights, giving up my way of doing things, all that stuff, that's hard to do. But it is easy at the same time because what I realize is when I give up all of my control and all of my way of doing things, then I am responsible for the outcomes and the results that come from them. When I turn it over and I start doing things Jesus' way, what I discover is it's all on Him now. Now He's responsible for the outcomes. He's responsible for the results. And, and I can able to say, you know, God, I'm going to do it your way. And if it doesn't work out, it's on you. <laughs> and what you find is, like Peter found, he really knows more about your life than you do. About three years later, 
towards the end of his ministry, as Peter and James and John and the others have now followed Jesus, it gets close to the time of the cross. And Jesus starts talking about what's going to happen. He starts talking about the sacrifice that's going to be done, given and how it's going to affect these guys. And it says in, in John's gospel, it says that from that time on, many of his followers no longer followed him. That big crowd started to diminish and get less. And at that point, Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, do you want to leave also? And these are Peter's words. The very same Peter, who was a little reluctant at the first, three years later says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.